whether you know it or not life is a battle and you are constantly fighting whether you are aware or not but then what will guarantee your victory and deliver you from all the battles around you is your knowledge of what you are going through the fact that you know that you are really in a battle because the knowledge and consciousness of the fact that you are really in a battle helps you to stay guarded all the time morning evening and at night so life is a battle and you are constantly on a stretch constantly vulnerable to attacks except to defend yourself except you stay guarded up except you pick up the strength of God's spirit and make it yours to shield yourself away from the attack of the devil you can fall a victim oh do you think that some of the issues in your life are ordinary delay in marriage delay in childbearing business failure disappointment all of those things that assail you sometimes are not ordinary they have come to let you come to the consciousness of the fact that you are constantly in battle however severe the battle is there is a way out of it and not just the fact that there is a way out of the battle but the fact that there are principles that guarantee you to get through the battle unwounded on earth and resources please bear that in mind this very hour i want to speak on what i've titled look now towards the heavens look now towards the heavens and i'm going to read from genesis chapter 15 from verse 5 it reads then they brought him outside and said look now toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to number them and he said to him so shall your descendants be look now toward the heaven that was God's order to Abraham you know oftentimes where we look and what we see determines our success or failure in life because what we see perspective what we see perpetually often affect and color our attitude to life so god began to tell abraham to look now towards heaven so that he can begin to get a perspective that will give him a consciousness that he has the great man of battle with him really In Genesis chapter 14 there was a battle and this battle was so fierce that it lasted for 14 years the leader of the battle was Kedolahoma and Kedolahoma because of his power and influence actually held down several nations and make them to pay in tribute for 12 years then in 14 years after subjecting them to his authority those nations sought to be free and they have and and and, and they got their freedom but then in the 14th year clehodhama had to come back against the nation and what he did was that he took everyone captive in that environment and it was unfortunate that lot became a victim and when lot became a victim you know somebody escaped from that battle came to abram and told abram how that lot his brother had been taken captive then abram mobilized the men he had trained in his own and as a matter of fact they sum up 300 so the 300 of them went and they conquered kings of nations how was that possible how was it that nations that are larger as a matter of fact about five of them 
could not win a particular king. Meanwhile, an individual with 300 soldiers was able to silence a particular king that had disturbed every other nation around him for 15 years. That is the strength of God. So it does not matter the battles you are going through. If you can engage God in the battles, you are going to win. It does not matter who are those involved. It does not matter the havoc they have read. All you need to do is to let God be engaged and strengthen you. So we are going to take a look at the story. As I shall read properly. From Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. I will take a look at a story. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 5 first. About this time, war broke out in the region. King Amraphel of Bab- Babylonia, King Arioch of Alasa, King Kel- Kedolahoma of Ella, and King Tidal of Goim fought against King Bera of Sodom. King Besha of Gomorrah, King Sinab of Adma, King Shimemba of Neboim, and King Bela, also called Zoar. This second group of kings joined forces in Shidim Valley, that is the valley of the Dead Sea. For 12 years they had been subject to King Kedo Lahoma, but in the 13th year they rebelled against him. One year later, Kedo Lahoma and his allies arrived and defeated Raphatites at Ashitroth, Canaim, and Zuzite at Am, the Emitite, and Shaveth, the Kejerotim, and the Orite at Munzei, and as far as El Paran at the edge of the wilderness. Then they returned back and came to Enimat now called Kadesh and conquered all the territory of the Amalekites and also the Amalekites living at Azon, Azazon Tama. I move to verse 10. And it happened, the valley of the Dead Sea was filled with tar pits and as the army of kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into tar pits while the rest escaped into the mountains. The victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abraham's nephew, who lived in Sodom, and carried off everything he owned. Then one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abraham the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Monre the Amorite. Monre and his relative, Eskol, Anne were Abraham's allies. When Abraham heard that his nephew Lord had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trendy men who had been born in his household. Then he pursued Kedolahoma's army until he caught up with them at dawn. There he divided his men at attack during the night. Kedolahoma's army fled. But Abraham chased them as far as Oboth, north of Damascus. And Abraham recovered all the goods that had been taken. And he brought back his nephew's lot with his possessions and all the women and all the captives. Now, from the open scriptures I read from Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, the scripture told us that the Lord God took Abraham outside. And said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That is how many descendants you will have. Now, from this test of the scriptures, we see that God has always brought Abraham out of one thing to another. Like in Genesis chapter 12, we saw how God called Abraham to leave his father's house. 
Now, these are portrayers of redemption. God changing the status of a man, calling him out of one thing into another. And when such a call is done, it does not mean that it is a call into a face that is free of challenge, free of battle, free of assault, free of humiliation, free of um, harassment of darkness. No, it does not suggest that. But the fact is that if it was by the hand of the Lord that it took you from where you are now into another city, regardless of what the challenges, how fearsome the pains and challenges will be, there is a divine backup that will help you to sustain through, not just as a survivor, but as a victor. I'm seeing in my spirit the need to read from Ephesians chapter 6. I don't know, the scripture just kept coming to my spirit. I'm going to read from verse 10. A final word, I'm reading from NLT. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in the mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against, the, against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will, be, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the goodness so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of this, hold up the sheet of it to stop the fiery dart of the darkness. Put on salvation as an amulet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 16. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers everywhere. Now, these scriptures I've just seen in Ephesians chapter 6 tells us how we can win the battles of life. Look at verse verse 10. It says that be, be strong in the Lord and the mighty power and in his mighty power. Why? Put on the old armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Why? We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, why do you need to take on the whole armor of God? Why do you need to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power? Because you are engaged in the battle. So whether you are aware of it or not, there is an ongoing spiritual battle over your life, an ongoing spiritual battle over your finance, an ongoing spiritual battle over your children, an ongoing spiritual battle over your your circle of influence, over your marriage in your territory. And except to fight and except you are guided by God, except you are strengthened with mind by God's spirit in your inner man, you are going to end up defeated. You have got to be strengthened with mind. You have got to be energized so that you will not fall a victim of situation. What, as we leave the word, I mean, as we live in it, is a place of battle. The world is a battleground and you have got to contest for anything you want to preserve. So you need to be strengthened. So you don't need to, to play around. You have got to be alert. You have got to be aware of what you are into. Hallelujah. 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 Now, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Ephesians chapter, chapter, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. That he will grant you according to the riches of his glory, of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. 
that Christ may dwell in your earth through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend all the sins, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes understanding that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now from this scripture we begin to see that certain things guarantee success in battles. So I'm going to be taking a look very quickly at principles that guarantees your your victory in the in the battles of life. We are going to be examining principles for winning the battles of life. What are the things you can do that will strengthen you against the battles of life such that you would not become a victim? The first thing is taken from our text, Genesis chapter 15. God told Abraham, look now unto heaven. You don't have enough strength in yourself to shoot yourself against the flying arrows by night. You have got to look up to the Lord for strength. Ephesians 3.16 That he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with mine through his spirit in the Hinama. So when you look up, you open up your being for the possession of God. And until you are possessed and filled up with God, you cannot be strengthened to dislodge the devil. You cannot scatter the confederations of evil over your life. So God told Abraham, he said, look up now. Look up now. So the beginning of strength to engage in the battles of life is that you more perpetually keep your face up. The scripture says they looked unto him, they were already dead, and their eyes were not ashamed. Your strength will come from constant dependence of God. I will lift up my eyes to the east, Psalm 121. From angst, my help come from my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. How does this strength come? It comes by looking unto the Lord. And what does it mean to look? To pay attention. To give attention, to focus on, to expect, to anticipate. Now look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We want to look at what it means to look. Because we are checking the principles that guarantees success in the face of battles or in the midst of the battles of life. And one of the things we are looking by the grace of God is the looking, casting your gaze, casting your attention, casting your expectation, depending on God. Over dependence of God is one of the major things that is required to tap into the strength of God. You need to win every fiery battles you are facing on your life. Acts chapter 3, from verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in three o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man lamed from bed was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently and said, Look at us. The layman looked at them eagerly, expecting for something. So when the scriptures told us that God told Abraham to come out of his tent, Come out of a situation. Come out of, of the circumstances. Do not let the situation around you or at the moment to overcloud you or be cloudy of seeing the Lord. God took him out of the tent, took him out of his complacency, took him out of his confidence and said, now at this time, look up to me like that beggar looked up to Peter. So looking up to God suggests eagerness expectations and let me tell you your blessings your manifestations God's support to you will never be greater will never be greater than your level of expectation think about that so you need strength 
So the first thing you do is dependence of God. Be eager to stay in His presence. Be eager to draw out from Him. And this is only done by constantly staying in His presence. You can't tap such a strength without finding time to stay in His presence. This man had encounter, had an encounter with Peter and John because it was the prayer service. It was the prayer hour. And probably he came maybe to attend the prayer meetings and also use a stone to kill two birds to, to beg from, from people who came to worship or who came to pray. But this man had his attention on Peter. But while he had his attention on Peter, Jesus' attention was caught. Because Peter's and John's attention were on Jesus. So when the beggar was looking at them, invariably the both attentions, I mean of Peter and John and that of the beggar, he turned over to Jesus and he showed up. And soundness came, and health came, and power came. So the first principle to winning in the face of oppositions and all battles of life is to look up. Is to look up. Now I want to mention thirteen things as I round up very quickly. Thirteen things you must pay attention to as you engage the battles of life number one you must know that god is on your side in the battle you are not the one fighting it alone god is on your side and consequentially you have all the strength on your side to resist and to defeat the enemies there is strength on your side because god is with you and if God is with you, it meant that you are not fighting alone. Did you think that it was the one around 18 people that Abraham that Abraham took to the battle that helped him win the battle? No, it wasn't. He must have engaged the supernatural backups, which enables him to be able to win in the face of that battle. Now look at James. Chapter 4, verse 7. James 4, 7. James 4, 7. So humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, how can you resist the devil? Is it because you are you, you are you are strong in your own self? No, but because the Lord is with you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prows around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Stand firm. You are standing firm because there is a strength on your side. And that was what we read in Ephesians chapter 6. That you have got to resist him. That after the battle, you can stay standing, stay strong. So one of the ways to preserving your strength, no, no, the one of the ways to stay and not be weird out in battles, in the battles of life, is to stand in the strength of God. So you must know that God is on your side, and you are not fighting the battles alone. Number two. Understand that strength is not in yourself, but in God. So you have got to be dependent on God. Strength is not in yourself. It is in God. Psalm 27. Strength is not in yourself. It is in God. So to win the battles, we've got to be, to be dependent on divine strength. Because if you want to depend on yourself, you will fail. The strength is not in using the Father. So constant dependence, constant trust, constant, constant, constant dependence, constant trust, constant faith, constant study, constant prayer, constant worship, constant acknowledgement of His presence guarantees your victory in the battle. 
Psalm 27 verse 1 and 2. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even I am attacked, I will remain confident. Now what is giving this confidence? How comes this confidence? How comes this boldness in the dangers of life? It is because the Lord is is his light. It is because the Lord is his salvation. It's because the Lord is his fortress. So the strength is not in me. It comes from the Lord. And I have to keep in touch with him in order to keep being strengthened to fight the battle. Number three, you have got to understand that you have to build up strength and confidence in God. You must be strengthened with might. You must be strong in God's power. What has threatened you, what has beaten you, what has battered your life can be silenced, can, can, can be cancelled as you come to the Father. You can be freed and you can be freed now. All you have got to do is to stay up, being strengthened with might. And how does that happen? Ephesians chapter, chapter 6 tells us, how do you stay strengthened? Ephesians chapter 6. How do I stay strengthened? Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 13. Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Now let's go to verse 18. Verse 18 now reads... Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Everywhere. So one of the ways to guarantee sources, one of the places, I mean, the place you build strength is in the place of prayers. You stay alert. You stay guided. You stay sensitive. You stay praying. You stay worshipping. And as you do that, you pick up the strength of God for yourself. Number four, you have got to understand the nature of the battle and the people involved in the battle. Abraham was not fighting an individual. He was not fighting a community. He was not fighting a group of people. He was fighting nations. He would have perhaps heard of Clehodoma. How Clehodoma had had people captive and subject and he had abused nations for 14 years. And these nations think of rebelling. He came after them again to subjugate them. And unfortunately for him, he took Lot as a captive. And when Abraham heard about it, strength rose from within because he was always on God's side. So if you want to win the battle, you have got to know the nature of the battle. You have got to understand people who are involved in the battle. Who are you fighting? Who is your enemy? The scriptures told us in the scripture we've read in James and Peter that you have got to be sober. You have got to be vigilant. You have got to be alert. You have got to be awake mentally, spiritually, psychology in all fears because of your adversary, the devil. So the person you are engaging is the devil. Look at where we read in Ephesians chapter, um, chapter 6, of course. The Bible says that we are not fighting flesh and blood. Lord, we are fighting spirits. So that your secretary that is trying to seduce you is not the person you are fighting. You are fighting the spirit of seduction that is clothed under asking. That your health that is disturbing you, making you to live on medication. is not what you are fighting. You are fighting the monster that is afflicting your body. So you have got to know who you are fighting. Number five, you have got to understand that you are not fighting an individual, but spirits, territories, nations, kingdom. So you will need to depend on God. You will need to be anointed by God in order to win in the battle. 
So you must know. You are fighting a spiritual battle. Now let's look at Joshua chapter 6 verse 27. Joshua 6 27. What is there? Joshua 6 27. Joshua 6 27. So the Lord was with Joshua. And his reputation spread throughout the land. You hear that? You are not fighting an individual. So you need the presence of the Lord. Abraham was able to conquer King Clehodoma as, 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 as dreadful as he was. As terrific as he was. Because the Lord was with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number six, because of the time. Be always on guard. Be always on guard. The scripture says, be sober, be vigilant. That's how the scripture says it. Because of your adversary. First Peter chapter 5, 7 to 8. Because of your adversary, the devil. Be vigilant. So you have got to always be on guard. For instance, look at Abraham. He was always battle ready. Hence, he was ready at the instant he asked that Lot had been captured to rescue Lot and the people and their possessions. If he was not ready, you know, the scripture told us that Abraham went with 318 people whom he had trained. He did not train them that day. So you don't prepare for battle in the day of battle. You prepare before the battle. That's why you have got to be alert. To be alert means to be always ready. To be guarded. And as you has it, that the best form of of, um, of defense, something like that, is attack. So the best way to guard is to be ready to attack. Paul, we know Jesus, you know, but well, who are you? Be always guarded so you will not be challenged. Number seven. Another thing that will guarantee your success in the battle of life is that you build connections and raise people. That is one of the things that Lot did not learn from Abraham. But then we read that Abraham had Alice among the Amorites. So invariably, he might have not even had up to 300 soldiers by himself. But because he had connections, he was able to connect with the strength of others. In the time of challenge, in the time of problem, when the devil lift up his ugly head to assault you, who are you going to call on to, to be strengthened? You won't come to church. You don't have friends in the community. You don't have good character. You are very, very, very inconsiderate. Very, very intolerant. You know, you don't get along with people. You get angry easily. You don't be friend. You hate everyone. Nobody's an icon. You can't do it all alone. Abraham builds connection. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 14, 14 verse 13. Genesis 14, 13. Let's see what happened there. Man, the call shit higher. 1413. Genesis 1413. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abraham the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mori the Amorite. Mori and his relatives, Eskol and Anna, were, were Abraham's allies. When Abraham heard that his nephew, Lot, had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born in his household. Then he pursued King Clehodohamas' army until he caught up with them at Dan. Look at that. Two things I'm, I'm turning your attention to today. One is that Abraham had Alice. He had connection. He had relationship. He had fellowship. In Acts chapter 4, the scripture says that after the apostle had been harassed, beaten, assaulted by the, by the religious leaders, the Bible says that they went back to their own company. Who is your company? Such that when you are harassed, you can go back and join them in fellowship. Who would you call on to? 
you are not, you are, you, are, you, 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 you cannot be alone. In fact, God said in Genesis, say it is no good. Genesis chapter two, he said it is no good that man should be alone. So you need people to support you. You need connections. You need to build relationships with colleagues, with superiors, with 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 younger ones who can come together. Somebody said you cannot go too far if you are alone, but you can do much more if you can build teams. Build all people around you. Now, let me read from Acts chapter 4. I want to show you the scriptures. Verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter... Okay, now let me read from verse 21 so we can understand very well. They canceled and threatened them for that. But they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God. For this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priest and elder had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Can you hear that? The KJV said they retired back to their own company. They went back into fellowship. They went back to their people. What do you know? What relationship have you built? There will be a security, a defense, a protection for you in time to come. Okay, let's move on. Number five Ah, is it number five i have got to move no this number eight now now number eight you have got to know your strength and you have got to always arm yourself be a trainer and train others raise men know your strength arm yourself and train others Abraham had raised and trained 318 people. The more reason why he had the courage to go after Kehodohama. Imagine if he had not trained men. Even if God had told him to go ahead, he would not have been able to do it single And the Bible said that Abraham had to divide those men's strategy. And that leads me to the next point. That is uh, point nine, number nine. Be strategic. Don't rush into anything, however urgent, however on impulse you are. You have got to learn to plan, to devise, to strategize, to scheme. Genesis chapter 14 verse 15. The scripture told us that Abraham had to divide. That is a strategy. Abraham divide. Genesis chapter 14 verse 15. 14 verse 15. There he divided his men and attacked during the night. Kedolahoma's army fled, but Abraham chased them as far as Oba, north of Damascus. Look at the strategy. He divided and he knew when to launch. Understanding the time. Understanding the time. Coming up with strategies. Knowing how, knowing where, knowing when, and knowing why. Life is a battle. There are times it comes so fierce. There are times it comes so, 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 so quietly. So unnoticeable. But if you sleep, you will fall a victim. So be strategic. Be sensitive. Be alert. Be at alert. Hallelujah. Number 10. Understand that you are a deliverer of nations and generations. And you have got to also know that what attacked and defeated and harassed others should not harass you because of this fact that you are to be a rexer, a deliverer of me. Hmm. What harassment should not harass you? The more reason you have to be on guard, you have to be on alert. 
Don't allow the circumstances around you to take an advantage of you. Now imagine if it had been that it was Abraham that was captured. Who would have rescued him? Is it Lot that had no armies, that had trained no man? And the, the point I'm trying to put to you is the fact that, hey, that something bad happened to somebody does not mean that it's happening to everybody so it can happen to you. That people are falling. That people are compromising. That people are shifting their ground. That certain event is claiming grounds, is taking all space, is devolving people does not mean it's going to devolve you. You are a center of excellence. You are a deliverer. You are called a joy of many generations. So what arras others not arras you? You are raised up to be an answer, to be a solution to what is arousing men. You are not to be part of those who will be victimized. Isaiah chapter 61. Let's see what the scripture says. God has anointed you to be a solution. Several nations have lost their land, lost their properties, lost their possessions, lost their people to Klehodoma. But Abraham was raised as a deliverer. Lord should have worked in that capacity, but was short-sighted. Lazarus should have been the one praying for the dead, not the one that should be expected that Christ to come and raised. It is a tragedy when you become a, a victim of what you are to, 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 uh, to exercise dominion of victory over. That's what I'm talking about. Isaiah chapter 61. Let's see the provision of the Lord. Okay, let me read from 60. Then if you can go to 61, we'll read 61. Very relevant scripture also. Chapter 60 from verse 1. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the of the earth but the glory of the lord rises and appears over you all nations will come to your light mighty kings will come to see your radiance look and see for everyone is coming home your sons are coming from distant land your little daughters will be carried home your eyes will shine and your heart will true with joy for marching from around the world will come to you they will bring you to the word of many nations vast caravans of camel will coverage on you the camel of median and effa the people of sheba will bring gold and frankincense and we come worshiping the lord look at what this scripture told us two situations darkness covering the people but in the midst of that darkness you have a prophetic destiny to shine darkness and gross darkness that was what happened in Genesis chapter 14 was swept all the region of Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring surroundings and even Lot that should be a deliverer. Lot that was positioned as a resistance to evil type became a victim. So what are silenced others will not silence you. I should not silence you. But if that would not be have got to be strong in the Lord, that got to be vigilant, you are looking at the principles that guarantee victory in the battles of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number 11. You have got to understand that you are a restorer of lost lives. You are a restorer of that which was lost. Verse 16. You are called to be a restorer. You should not be a victim. Genesis chapter 14, verse 16. Genesis 14, verse 16. Genesis 14, 16. Abraham recovered all the goods that had been taken and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions. And all the women and other captives, you are called to be a restaurant. Now, what was the secret of all we are doing here? Because Abraham had got to always look up on God or look up to God. First, right? 
Alléluia. Number 12. You are raised a solution. You are raised to be a comforter. You are raised to comfort your world. You are raised to be an influence. You are raised to be a protector of others. To comfort people from their pains. 90% of the people. I must not allow anything to stand that. That's your destiny. Because of time. Let's read verse 17. In verse 17, we read After Abraham returned from this victory over Clehodohama, all his allies, the kings of Sodom, went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the valley of, that is the kings of Ali. You are raised a solution, you are raised a comfort to your world. You are raised a comfort in your place of authority, in the place of business, in the place of influence, in your career, in your marriage, in your relationship, in your governance. People should gather to celebrate your exploit. You are not an object of ridicule or pity. So don't settle for that. Number 11. You can experience peace. In the midst of war, in the midst of disturbance, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of loss, in the midst of threats, in the midst of massive death, Abraham encountered the king of peace in the midst of war. There was a king in that region called the king of Salem by the name Meshizedek. He does, he did not rather experience the war for the 14 years the war raged the environment. And after the battle, Abraham entered into that covenant and the king of kings blessed. Genesis chapter 14, 18 to 20. And Meshizedek, the king of Salem, and the, and the priest of God, Most High, brought Abraham some bread and wine to relieve him of the pains, of the trite, of the bruises, to heal him of the wounds in his mind, to heal him of his ache, to heal him of his disappointment, to heal him of his fear. Meshizedek blessed Abraham with a blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God, Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. So it was not Abraham that defeated those fowls. It was not Abraham that defeated Clehodohama. It was God who used Abraham to defeat. And let me tell you this. Your blessing will come when you begin to take your place as a watcher in your community. As a restorer. As a defense. As an influence. In your territory. He met the king of peace. Abraham received an approval that he had done the right thing. When there's a problem in your world, in your environment, in your home, in your workplace, in, 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 your, in your family, you should be the one to put an end. And once you put an end, God will open the window of blessing over you. Because you have represented him rightly. That is authority. That is dominion. You have got to take authority. To dominate means to position yourself such that you you replicate and you represent and you perpetuate you give expressions to the intention of the king who are put in charge of that territory that's dominion you are not doing it as you will but you are doing it as an ambassador who came to represent a government and you would not allow any other thing to happen within that territory that is contrary to what the counsel of the one who appointed you that was what Abraham did and the Lord sent to him the king of peace. Henceforth, you will enter peace. Henceforth, you are blessed by the possessor of heaven and earth. Who are defeated your enemies. Hallelujah. I don't even know the number I have. But it should be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Now, 14 now. 
Number 14. Don't be greedy for gains. God had blessed you enough. God is your source of blessing. Be honest and always conscious of this. That is how to secure your peace in the midst of the storms, of the challenges, of the trials and temptations of life. Don't be greedy. After Abraham won and took all the possession, he didn't take them to his family, to his family's house, to, or to his house. Look at what he did in verse 21. In verse 21, what did Abraham do? The king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give back my people. Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. And Abraham replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and the earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread and sander tongue from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abraham rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten. And I request that you give a fair share for the goose to my allies. Anne, Echo, and Murray. The people who went to the battle with Abraham. No greed. He will never demand more than necessary. He will never hold back what he should pay his servant. There are a lot of Christians who are greedy. They are prayerful, but they are greedy. They will never pay their workers and they employ them. That's greedy. That's been evil. They will, they will underpay them and overlabor them. That is evil. You cannot do that and you experience peace. You can't do that and you enjoy the blessings of God. No matter what you amass, something will demand it from you unlawfully also. So righteousness is very important if you are going to maintain the blessings of the Lord and you are going to win the battles of life. In Ephesians chapter 6, as we read, the Bible says that you have got to wear, put in your, in your feet the truth of the gospel. The truth, the breastplate of righteousness as a guide. So there are things that guarantee sources. There are things that when you position yourself and you make them the principles of your life, you will never be off no matter how fierce the battle. Look at what that scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6. Say you have got to pick up the, the shield of faith, the protection that is in your conviction of Christ, that is able to weed off all the fiery attacks of darkness. So there are protections for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy at all. Number 12. Don't limit God. Why should be more than 12 now? Number 15 rather, not 12. Number 15. Don't limit God. Don't allow what you lack. Shift your attention away from God's dream for you. Don't allow what you need, what you long to have in your endeavors, in your ministry, in your services, in your social, emotional life, in your career, in your business, in your relationship. Your outlooks and prospect of life shift your attention. Do not allow the, the things you need make you compromise your work with God, compromise your integrity, compromise your, your virtue, compromise your values. You have got to stand your ground, not to change it, not you make you compromise. And that's why you don't need to be greedy for wealth or gain because those are the things that can influence you. Don't take up bribes. These are the things that can pollute you. Don't listen to yeses. Don't listen to rumor. And don't allow huh, what happened around you to influence your attitude to others. These are the things that destroy a man. So don't be disturbed by nothing. Just remain focused. The scripture says that they looked unto me, they were radiant. The more reason why God spoke to Abraham, say, Abraham, from now look up to me. Let's read that scripture again. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. 
Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count if this and count the stars if you can. That is how many descendants you have. God said, Look up to me. That's what I'm picking. I'm not even picking about the exercise. That God wants to expand his vision, right? That is correct. But I'm not even looking at the expansion of his vision. I'm first looking at the fact that God said, Look, your attention has to be placed certain ways for certain results. They looked unto me. They were radiant. You can never be ashamed, no matter how broke, how urgent your needs are. If you can retire to your closet and pray actively every confirmation, you may not be able to explain how it will come. But I tell you it will come. I am talking from experience. I've been there. It will come for you. But how unfortunate it is that most times when we are challenged, when we are disturbed, instead of going to the Father, we run all around looking for solutions. But to end up with no one. So, the scripture told us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, that we should look up unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So Abraham began to miss the point because of the issues of his life in Genesis chapter 15 from verse 1 to 6. And thank God, God began to address the matter in his life at that point. He had won the battle. The king of peace had met him. But in chapter 15, after the old battle, Abraham was stopped. And God said, look, guy, Get out of this situation. Get out of these issues. Get out of this unbalanced circumstance. Why don't you focus on me? I will expand you. Are there no times when you have invested all your money in a particular business? The whole thing went down in drain. I become moody. You become cold. Maybe after you have done everything you could, you fasted, you prayed, you lost that job. You lost that child of yours. You lost your spouse. And you felt, well, What's the point after Holy God cannot save me then? Let me be. And he said, well, I will just do the two well. Let God be and let me be. God is telling you today, look now to me again. Look now to me the hands of the earth. Look now to me the hands of the earth. Look now to me, I will heal your pains. Look now to me, I will take you out of that situation. Look now to me, I will do a new thing. All you need do now is to look up for help and help will come. God will change the situation. He will bring favor. He will raise you. He will bring people to support you. Hallelujah. He's our father. He cares for us. And he will defend us. So Abraham was brought into faith again. And the truth is that we are are to live believing in God's capability, in God's capacity. We have to live believing God's word. We have to live following God's direction. We have to live in the enablement of God for us. We have to live seeing the invincible realities God is turning our attention to. And check it there. Never you think that something is not ready because it's not physical. That it is not tangible does not mean that it is not real or it is not there. There is no limitation in the realm of the spirit. That is why you have got to learn how to see the invincible if you are going to walk with God. The fact is that in the realm of the spirit, there is not now all the future, but what you can see at the moment. When Abraham was, 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 uh, was bothered about the issues of his life or the issues in his life, in Genesis chapter 15, verse, 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 verse 1 and 2, what was, what was God's response to him? What was the way out? What did God tell him? God told him, Abraham, look now towards the heaven. Now, let's say the issue that made Abraham to be discouraged. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. Now, some time later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you have given me no children, Eliza of Damascus, a servant in my household, we inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendant of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to Abraham, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son 
of your own who will be your heir then the lord took abraham outside and said to him look up into the sky and count the stars if you can that is how many descendants you will have and abraham believed the lord and the lord counted him as righteous because of his faith and the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the all of Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abraham replied, Oh, sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? You see Abraham, Abraham's doubt. But the Lord is so patient with us that each time we even doubt him, he comes to our rescue. He comes to our rescue. When Abraham was bothered about the barrenness of Sarah and his own infertility, God told him to look up. I don't know that situation you are going through. God is telling you, look up there. I will change the situation. I will turn it around. And that is God's word for, for us today. Keep looking unto the Father until your issues are addressed, until your change appears. Until your prophet comes. And as a matter of fact, where is your attention? Where are you looking, looking up to? Who are you looking up to? What is your expectation from the Lord? What is your expectation now? Where is your attention? Are you looking towards heaven or you are looking towards your uncles or your friends? And now they disappoint you and now you are bitter against them and God and you want to lock everybody out. Do not let the devil ground you. The psalmist says, I will lift up my hands, my, my eyes towards the hills. Where does my air comes from? My air comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In John chapter 1 verse verse 14 uh, John chapter chapter 11 verse verse 4 we read that Jesus Christ lifted up his eyes when he wanted to raise Lazarus he lifted up his eyes and cried out Lazarus come forth Jesus lifted up his eyes Jesus lifted up his eyes Jesus now let's read, see that scripture John chapter 11 verse 41 John 11 for the one. As you round off, John 11 for the one. John 11 for the one. Now let me read from verse 40. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, comfort. And the dead man came out, his hand and his feet bound in grove clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Now, what I'm picking here is in verse 41. Jesus Christ looked up and said, where are you looking to? At the grave of Lazarus, Jesus Christ looked up for help. I will lift up my eyes to the hills and come my help. God told Abraham, look up now. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finishers of it. Acts chapter 3 verse, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says that Peter and John told the layman, look upon us and he looked eagerly. When you look up, you are, you, you are eager to receive help. And because you are eager, God will meet up with your expectations. But where is your attention? Where is your eyes? Where and who are you looking to God or man. What has bothered, burdened your heart recently? What has bullshitted your life so far? Don't be ignorant. You have strength to oppose and resist the devil. All power and authority in heaven and earth is yours now. In Genesis chapter 14, as we've read from verse 4 and 5, and from verse 15 and um, 14 and 15, you see how King Clehodohoma subjected, ridiculed, humiliated, controlled, dominated those 
nations within the, 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 the territory of Sodom and Gomorrah. But when those guys became tired, they rebelled. And then power came. And then Eb came. And then God raised Abraham and Eber for them. Abraham was raised. And victory was released from heaven. What is arousing your health? What is arousing your peace of mind? What is a threat to your life? What is that threat to your age-long dreams? Help is coming your way. And you have got to see it. 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 Jesus Christ told Martha in John eleven forty, 40, I have told you if you will believe, you will see. All you have got to do is to believe so that you can see the glory of God. You can see the fullness of God. You can see the full essence of God's care for you. But you must also be desperately ready to be free. You must be desperately ready to rebel against those your health conditions that are held you bound. Like we saw the Hebrews in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 to 25. They refused to remain as slaves to Pharaoh's forever. And Exodus chapter 1, from verse 13 and 14, they, they, they cried out for help. And if you too can look at that situation and you reject it, like that woman in First Kings chapter 3, verse 21, she said, Look, I look at this child and I consider that it was not my son. This dead child, I have considered it. Look at that situation in your life and begin to consider it not to be yours. And I tell you, as you reject it, all of heaven reject it for you. You can be helped out of the situation. God is anxious to help you out of it. All you need is faith in your soul. All you need is to hunger and cry out for help. And that help will come for you.